Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic book art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I am joined by London. From the shadows, we're not sure if he will say anything, he sometimes just watches. We have Shadow Adam. History of the Batman with London is produced and engineered by Mason Booker. He's in the house. Meltdown also is our sponsor. We'd like to thank them, as always, for hosting this wonderful podcast. When you get a chance, and if you're ever in the neighborhood, please come to Meltdown and check out Meltdown University. This is a school at a comic book store. They teach you the skills to make comic books. Some of the current classes include creating comics, drawing comics for kids, and the art of inking. I know Photoshop is coming, so come and check it out before the classes fill up. Go to MeltComics.com. Also, I'd like to tell you quickly about the Meltology. It's a com- monthly comics jam here at Meltdown every third Thursday. Sorry, every third Tuesday of the month. You show up at Meltdown, 7 p.m., draw a page of whatever you want. Any skill levels allowed. 9.30, they collect all the art and $3 for printing. And then when you come back the next month, guess what? You get a complete zine with everyone's contributions inside. There is no theme. So just come and draw, hang out, meet cool people. Anyway, we are now here today to talk Batman as always. London, how you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> you know I'm good. So, Shadow Adam, are you around? I'm here oh, today. Oh, there he is. Okay. <laughs> good, good. So, we have a very good episode in store for you today, listeners. London, can you tell us what it is? Today, we are going to talk about the character Barbara Gordon and her history as Batgirl and as Oracle and in the New 52 as Batgirl. And this session is because I had a few people reach out to me and request to learn more about Oracle and Batgirl. And so I thought... So you mean when actually people reach out to you and you (laughs) give the Instagram, the email and all that, you actually read that? I do. I read every reply, email, tweet. DM everything. Oh. So don't be shy and reach out. And if you have an idea for an episode, I read all of them. And I have a master list of your guys' ideas for future episodes. So I want to thank George Blaze, who on Twitter is GTwit1138. Follow him. <laughs> he requested to learn more about Oracle. And I got an email from Ron who said he wanted an episode about the history of Batgirl. So I thought I would kind of go in the middle and talk about Barbara Gordon and her role as being the first, well, yeah, technically the first Batgirl. So, yeah, so thank you guys for reaching out and for listening. I really appreciate it. And like I said, anyone can reach out through email and anything, and I read read all of the responses. So let's communicate. There you go. Communication is the key. Good to friendships and good for marriages (laughs) and relationships. So these wonderful people that requested 
Barbara Gordon slash Oracle slash Batgirl. What are we going to do today with it? I mean, that's it sounds like a lot to go over. It It is, but it's about 50 years or so of information. But we're going to go over the character briefly Batgirl before Barbara Gordon was created. And we're going to look at her debut on TV and then her debut into comics and the evolution of the character from becoming Batgirl and then retiring and then becoming the Persona Oracle and her history with that. And then now in comics, she's back to being Batgirl. So we have lots of great, I think, comics and media to to talk about. Now, I've caught on to a few things you've said. Technically, she was the first Batgirl. What what does that mean? Was there someone else? Well, yeah. When Batgirl first was created, it was in the early 60s and it wasn't Barbara Gordon it was another person it was Betty Kane and Batgirl was kind of reinvented for the live action 66 show and Barbara Gordon was introduced and she replaced the technically the first Batgirl for a whole different character and so there have been technically there have been a few Batgirls within all of Batman mythos which I'm sure for a future episode, we'll just talk about Batgirl, just that persona in general. But I think the most recognizable Batgirl arguably is Barbara Gordon. I've already learned something because I always thought that Barbara Gordon was the first Batgirl. But now I am learning that she <laughs> is not. Yeah, for a lot of people, I think she is the only Batgirl, but that's always debatable. But there's definitely a lot of looking at the creators and what they wanted and the idea of Batgirl, which we'll get into, and what she represents. And I think that alone is important in understanding why she's such a popular character even today. And I have to say that when I was a little boy, this was my first crush. (laughs) I know Mason likes the bad girls, but I like the (laughs) redheaded Batgirl. I have a thing for Barbara Gordon, too. Okay, there you go. She was a redhead. Yeah. (laughs) So, Barbara Gordon, let's, I guess, start at the beginning then. Well, like I said, in in 1961, Batgirl debuted just the character herself, and that was in Batman 139, and she was Betty Kane. Now, Batgirl and also Batwoman, they were introduced around the same time because they... A lot of people kind of associated Batman and Robin in a kind of homosexual context and the and after the Comics Code Authority came into play in 1954, the writers wanted to give Batman and Robin kind of female companions to trump the rumor of them having that kind of relationship. I've always felt that Batman and Robin didn't have that relationship, no, more think, of like a father-son yeah, dynamic. You explained that early on, right. and that made sense to me, which was that, hey, this is a award relationship, a, right. an adopted kid almost. Right, exactly. And so that's how I've always seen it, but that wasn't the case. It didn't I, matter. I People wouldn't read. Right. They just looked at pictures <laughs> and said, oh, 
this is not good. <laughs> so they came up with Batgirl and Batwoman? Right. And the way that we know Batgirl today or any modern readers that didn't know that Bat- that Betty Kane was Batgirl, they, it, it's not the same character. It's almost as if Betty Kane was Bruce's girlfriend and she knows that He's Batman, and she wants to kind of dress up like Batman, but for a girl, and she has lipstick in her belt, and it's that it's very girly, <laughs> but it's very not the same as oh, Batgirl is the female version of Batman, and she's out fighting crime and all of that. It's more she's his girlfriend, and she decides that she wants to dress up like Batman because she likes the style. It's still very, for that time, way more not on the same superhero level. And so they were in the comics for probably about... A few years, and then... Sounds like she's an accessory, not a girl power movement. Right, exactly. It definitely... Would you like to be in the production meeting or the creative meeting behind that? (laughs) We need a woman, and she needs to wear (laughs) lipstick, and we need her to be such a woman that she does everything a woman would do. Exactly. Stereotype her. (laughs) Very much so and even and it's funny because later in the 60s when we have the female empowerment movement that those two don't correlate it's it and i think that's why when the new dc editor julia schwartz comes in in the mid 60s he decides okay we need to get rid of bat girl and bat woman because they don't represent what we think that female hero should be because at the time you had a lot of female villains or more popular Catwoman and Poison Ivy and they were very seductive and didn't represent the female hero. It was always the villain. And so when you had Batgirl and and Batwoman, in this sense, it wasn't the same. It's not the same. They were just their girlfriends, and they felt that going into the late sixties and kind of in trying to be more progressive, they decided to wipe out their characters within the continuity, and they wanted to revamp Batgirl. And that's when creator Carmen Infantino he came in along with Schwartz and. They wanted to make a girl that, well, Infantino, he quotes that she is kind of like the Betty Kane Batgirl is more like a a, ver- a pesky version of Robin. It's not even on a heroic level. It's just kind of like Shadow Adam said, like an accessory of sorts, not like part of the duo, not on the same level. And I think that's what they wanted to recreate Batgirl for. They wanted to make her a female hero. So you said Infantino had a quote or something? Yeah, that's what he kind of said that this Batgirl, just in general, in a sense, doesn't represent the Batgirl that could be in comics and could at some point Uh. even have their own TV show or any other media. They wanted to just change Batgirl and make her into more than just... What she was. What she was, exactly. They wanted her to kick some butt. Yeah. Not worry about 
chipping her nail. Right. <laughs> Not worry about the lipstick or the compact or all of that other stuff that, like you said, it's all kind of so, within the stereotype. <laughs> yeah. So real quick. So the first bat girl or was it bat girl or bat woman? Well, there was a bat girl and a bat woman. <laughs> were, any, were any of them like making out with... Bruce or Robin? Well, it wasn't really shown, but it was just kind of implied that they were, like I said, their girlfriends because it was Betty Kane and, and Kathy Kane and they were considered cousins. Mm. And so they were kind of with Bruce and Dick. And so. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so it's not at all even remotely the same as, like I said, the Batgirl that we read in, in right. comics. That so we should have a big, <laughs> big thank you going out to Gardner Fox and Carmen. Yes. Vincent, you know, <laughs> who said, we're done with that. Right. <laughs> All right. So they come around and you said it was, did you say 1967 or when well, they? Oh, well, they debuted in like 61 and then they changed kind of in the mid 60s because once the live action show started in 66 and it became so popular and all of the characters became household names they wanted to reinvent Batgirl and get a bigger audience the and even this is still I'm sure accurate today the the audience for comic books are young males between the ages of 12 and 30 <laughs> I guess and so they wanted to get, reach a bigger audience, and they thought if they had a strong female hero that's alongside Batman and Robin just as equals that more, not even not just young girls, but just people in general would open up to the idea because that's what, like I said, during the late 60s is the female empowerment movement, and they wanted to bring back Batgirl within the comics and on the TV show. So at first she came in de in a Detective Comics 359 and that's Batgirl Barbara Gordon and she was established as Commissioner Gordon's daughter and she and what I loved about this issue is it, it they play on a lot of kind of what Betty Kane didn't represent she Barbara, she is a librarian and she has a PhD in library studies and she is inspired by what Batman and Robin do and she creates her own costume and she goes out and the first thing she does is at a charity ball, she fights off Killer Moth who is crashing the party where her father is at and it's much different than even when she first goes out and like the first on the splash page and the panel and she's fighting just as the same as Robin and Batman and they even say wow who's this and it's definitely not the same as the Betty Kane Batgirl before and so this debut is supposed to coincide with her television debut but you see in the comic that once she fights off Killer Moth, then she's like, oh, I should be with you guys and I should help. Batman and Robin, they they literally say you can't because you're a girl. That's It's not even sugar-coated or anything. And But she responds and says, so what? And she goes and she still helps them. And in the end, 
they're, they kind of, in a way, respect her. And I think that aspect you didn't see with the Betty Kane Batgirl. You didn't see the respect of helping them fight crime and getting them out of traps and all of that stuff that Batman and Robin do as a dynamic duo. And then now you have this other hero who is smart and aesthetically pleasing too. And most of all, she's a woman. And at the time, like I said, you had Catwoman and you had Poison Ivy. And then later in the early 70s, you'll get Talia al Ghul. And you have all of these, you have these characters, these, and they're strong characters, but in a totally different way. They're, like I said, that's more seductive and it's more playing on those aspects but they making Barbara Gordon, especially tied to Commissioner Gordon, who has played an active role since the debut of Batman Detective Comics 27, the fact that she automatically has a tie to the Batman family, even if initially Batman is kind of cautious because she's a woman and they say in the comics things like, oh, we, we don't have time to look out for a girl and we have to do this. And yet she says, no, I'm just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't fight along with you guys. And she establishes herself already in the comics and she becomes this popular character. So Barbara Gordon, she got popular from the comics or from the 66 show? It's more at the same time, but the 66 show really made Barbara Gordon a really big deal for people who don't read the comics. Right. I guess what influenced what? Or was it a is was it a decision that happened at the same time? It was a decision that happened at the same time. It's just within 1967 the comic came out and then just some months later Barbara Gordon, who was portrayed by Yvonne Craig, debuted just months later in 67 in the third season, which ended up being the last season. Do you know if if there was one versus the other? Was that a DC decision that said, look, we're going to change this character. We're going to do it in the comics and we're going to do it in the television show. Or did they say, let's try it in the comic and then we'll do it on the TV show or I vice think, versa? Or do you know? Uh, well, I think the um, Schwartz, he wanted her to especially be in the TV show just because it was so popular. And they decided that if she's going to be in the TV show and we have this new Batgirl who they took out Betty Kane, they decided, well, let's put her in the comics. So they not only are reaching out to a bigger audience for the comics, which was kind of starting to dip in sales. And, but the 66 show definitely helped skyrocket Batman and people wanting to read more of the comics and watch the TV show. So it kind of was the TV show came first and they wanted Batgirl on there because all of these other characters that they introduced from the comics to the show became so popular. So you believe it was a company effort controlling the medium or the character in both media? Yes. Okay. Well, that makes sense because... Once you come out with a brand new version of Batgirl, you might as well do it in both comics and TV. Right. And both had great responses. And even though the show, the 66 show ended after the third season, the episodes that had Yvonne Craig as Batgirl, she was an automatic sensation. And people loved her. And she even had her own theme song. And she had... 
all of her own person. She had her own theme song? Yeah. <laughs> was it a vocal song or was it instrumental? Vocal. Can you sing it? <laughs> no. Oh, you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't want to hurt the listener's ears. Maybe. <laughs> I wonder if Mason could plug that in. I know. Mason, can you can you do that? <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. Just yeah. give us a little taste. <laughs> And just the fact that she had her own theme song, what there isn't really a, a a female character at the time that could even say anything like that. That. She, and so she what had, they would play this theme song in the '66 show? Yeah, if once when she's Barbara Gordon, she's a librarian, she's in her civilian wear, and then she goes into this secret part of of her place, and she changes and gets on. Her motorbike, and then once she's riding through Gotham City, the, the motorbike was cool. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was awesome. And while she's riding in Gotham, they play the theme song, and it's it's awesome. And like I said, at the time, you didn't really have female characters that were strong enough where they had their own segments and and theme songs. And she was a very vital character within this already popular show and she stands the same with Batman and Robin who at the time were becoming icons. Through a door as Barbara Gordon and seconds later making her startling reappearance as Batgirl, best dressed crime fightress in America. Batgirl? 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 Batgirl. Yes, Batgirl. So even though her role on TV is considered short, after that, Batgirl just became more popular than ever when the animated show started right after and in the early 70s, Batgirl was there. And in the comics, it was the same. Her popularity grew and she had more roles within detective comics and in and batman and like we like we were talking about in the she was made more for the live action tv show and i really think that yvonne craig became a role model for a lot of young women or women who watched the show because for years you just see Characters like Superman and Batman, and you don't really have that female hero, and now you do, and she became an automatic role model. And and we can't forget she played in Ryan Slave Girl at Star Trek. <laughs> yes, well, well, Shadow Adam can't forget yeah. that. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, Yvonne Craig, she, she played a lot of other roles on TV, but I think... Stay focused, buddy. <laughs> but I do think that Batgirl's probably the role she's most known for and and i guess now that we're talking about her it's it she passed away recently um from cancer and for me that was really a tragic thing because when i the first batman that i was introduced to was a 66 show i watched the reruns with my dad and she was the first 
kind of female hero I saw. And I'm like, oh, she's so cool. And she's smart and she's pretty and she fights crime just like Batman. I thought she was awesome. And so I've always admired Yvonne Craig's Batgirl and it made me want to read the actual comics. And so I know for a lot of people who grew up on the TV show or were introduced to this character because of Yvonne Craig's portrayal, that it's really sad to lose someone like that within this community. Yeah, she was a big, had to be the first female superhero yeah, on, if on, you, the, on TV on or TV. a big screen or anything. Yeah, so she played a really important role, and I think in just American comic books in general. And so she, even though the show was canceled in 68, after that, Batgirl was still really popular in the comics. And she was a reoccurring character alongside Robin in Detective Comics about 384 to 404. Like those those issues kind of in the late 60s, 1969, 1970 in Detective Comics she was in a lot of different stories. Real quick before we get there. So the yeah. 66 show, I, I think that most little boys remember that incredible costume that she had. Yes. <laughs> and it's this purple, just shimmery, unbelievably attractive right. costume. Was the purple the first time ever used as the color in in that 66 or before that was it also purple because i noticed that the costume has changed over time it's gone right back to the gray and uh blue or the black yeah you know, and the gray and blue is kind of what was introduced in the comics when the simultaneous release of barbara mm. gordon's Batgirl came out so the fact that the in the show it's so and it matches everything because in this era it's all pop art so everything's bright so it's the purple and yeah from her cow and then the yellow symbol and the yellow inside the cape it's just all it those colors i think even if and i mean even right now her colors are purple and goldish yellow but i think that's for a lot of people, the costume that's most memorable, even though for most of the comics, Batgirl's in that kind of gray and blue, and there's some accents of purple, and there's some accents of gold. But yeah, it's that costume, it was perfect from the, her cow to her boots. It's just, did yeah, you say, like you Did said. you say boots? Yes. Okay. <laughs> her boots are awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that. And I think for and I like to see that that Batgirl at at cons. That, that's another. I really do. Yeah, no, that, that is a <laughs> great one. Because you don't really see that Batgirl at Comic Cons. So when I do, I'm I'm so excited. <laughs> so have you ever thought about whether you could fight crime in heels? That has to be so difficult. Okay. <laughs> it's just, but she pulled it off just flawlessly. Okay. <laughs> Because if you were really thinking about becoming a vigilante, I have a hard time you thinking that you would do it in heels. I mean, it seems like the new Batgirls have definitely got it right. You see boots. Right. Or, she has laced up boots. <laughs> but, man, those heels. I just can't imagine doing much. And and what's great about the costume, whether it's one color or the other, it's that it's still very feminine. She's still pretty, I guess. she's She doesn't look either mannish or anything she's still she's smart and she's pretty and 
So her costume fits that and she can still fight crime just as much as Batman. So I think just there was an appeal to her just in all corners of her character. I wonder, did the first Batgirl, the Kane version, uh, wear heels? She did, but that one was way more, I'm just going to dress up like my boyfriend. Right. Okay. So Because I wonder if she'd ever complained, like, <laughs> my heel broke. I yeah, can't fight crime or, tonight. Right. And you kind of see that aspect even in Barbara Gordon's character. Like, there's one issue where her stockings run and she's oh. like, oh, and things like that. And so they still keep... That feminine side, but it's uh, but still, or that sexist side, depending well, on who's yeah, writing. Yeah, exactly. Mean. But but you still have her as a strong character. No. That so right. Everything had to evolve. I mean, right. you had to put her in there to let her stocking run, and then eventually you're like, okay, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> and. But, but that was the time. Yep, yeah, that it's still even though it was still progressive from Betty Kane to Barbara Gordon, you still kind of had to throw that in there, which I for the time period I understand. But yeah. it was very different because Barbara Gordon, she had a utility belt kind of like Batman, whereas Betty Kane's belt, like I said, held her lipstick and her compact and all these things. Whereas Barbara Gordon, if she had a compact, it was partially a weapon. <laughs> right. So it was way more she really is fighting crime and she is this vigilante of sorts. And they made a female version of Batman. And that's what Gardner Fox and Carmen Infantino imagined for this new superhero. And she was really popular. And... In in one note, in a Detective Comics, in the editor's note, they say that the type of, quote, hapless females, they're gone. So it kind of references Betty Kane saying that she she's more than just just a girl, I, I suppose, within Batman or Bruce Wayne's life. She's a hero just as much as Batman is. And her popularity... She even got backstories within Detective Comics. So she had full stories that just were about her with her daily life and then helping Batman or even on having her own cases. And at the time, we didn't really have a lot of super female superheroes that had such a almost fan base. Did, did When Barbara Gordon came on the scene as Batgirl, and I'm sure you will tell us about why she did that, her motivations behind that. But was there a conflict between her and Kane? Uh, you know, hey, I'm now want to be the Batgirl, and you used to be, but you're worrying about your lipstick, so now <laughs> I'm taking over the mantle. Was that anything well, that happened? I think that they tried to kind of take Betty Kane out of the continuity. They just basically eliminated. Yeah, her. she just was kind of wiped out, and then they replaced her with with. With Babs. So I don't think, and if there is, it's probably a one comic story, but I don't think that Betty Kane really comes back. And same thing with Batwoman, too. Bat, Batwoman stays probably within until the 1970s. She still is Batwoman, but she's not anyone's girlfriend. She just right. kind of appears from time to time in comics. With And then eventually, yeah, I think in the mid-70s, they, they kill her off. <laughs> so, so what was Barbara Gordon's motivation? 
Well, in she, the comics. So. Well, in the comics, she was inspired by Batman, and she knew that her father, Commissioner Gordon, worked with Batman uh. on cases, and so she was inspired by these guys, and so that's fine. But she made the, her character her own, and she made her own costume, and she at the time did, made her own weapons, and and of course, eventually, when she really becomes part of the Batman family. As with everyone, all the Robins and everybody, they get their weapons from Batman because <laughs> he can. He's make got something. money. Yeah, exactly. So of course that comes into play later. But initially, she had to make her own costume, her own weapon. She had her own bike, and she had her own way of getting everywhere. And she had to learn how to fight on her own. And she wasn't trained by Batman initially, but once she became more current within the comics she automatically became part of the batman family she was even in the dc comics batman family publication which only lasted for about a year but she was considered part a big part of batman's mythos because fans requested her and of course that made the audience grow and the demographic and it and she sold comics, which, of course, for any company, that's what's important. But she also represented something that hadn't been in comics before. And that's a strong female good character because there are many villains, but there weren't a lot of superheroes that were that were women. Yeah. So she so even before um, in pre-crisis, she was very important and became very popular. And she was still important even after Crisis on Infinite Earths in 85. And a lot of characters, including Betty Kane and, and Kathy Kane and those girlfriends, they were completely wiped out of continuity, which were a lot of characters like Batmite and, and Ace the Bat-Hound and a lot of little minor Batman family People they were out of continuity, but Batgirl remained. Barbara Gordon's Batgirl stayed. Ace the Bat Hound. Yes. Could, could you could you fill up an hour on him? I probably could. Oh my! That is. Crazy. I like Ace the Bat Hound actually. All right, well, that's. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, no, Damien's dog Titus. He's the one. But no, I like I like Bat Hound. There's a, <laughs> there's a battle of the better dog in the Batman world. Yeah. Man. I could do an episode on on, on the on the bat dogs and the, the pets. bat animals <laughs> the bat animals. Wow! <laughs> Once again, I continually am amazed at how much <laughs> stuff there is and how much you've read. <laughs> it's all fun, though. No, no, it is. I mean, I guess if you can find a good story about Ace the Bat Hound, it's probably worth reading. It is, especially if you like dogs. Which okay. I'm a huge dog lover, so it's it's fun. Um, and I like crypto and all those guys. All right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm getting off track. <laughs> um, Gotham dog catchers. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, they kept her within continuity once post-crisis came. And she had... And this is a re... And for those who don't know, the pre-crisis, post-crisis, you're talking about the... Restru it's a story device used to restructure the universe in order to tell new and fresh and exciting stories. Exactly. So they it essentially is, start over the continuity. Yes. And for movie fans that are superhero movie fans, it's a reboot, essentially. If you are a fan of... If you if it's, you watch like the Spider-Man movies, there's been like or, two or three reboots. Uh, look, or even Batman. Batman. It's the, the Nolan-verse right. was 
reboot of the Schumacher and Tim Burton and all that. So that's what in which common was a, Which was a reboot of the 66 show. Exactly. So, so, so they reboot the comic book world, the DC comic book world. Barbara Gordon stays as Batgirl. She stays uh, Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Commissioner right. Gordon stays as a chief figurehead in the Gotham Police Department. And then she is inspired still or does her origin story begin to change a little well, bit? Well, her origin is a, is slightly different. It comes in Secret Origins, Volume 2, Number 20, and that's from November of 1987. And Barbara Kessel wrote it, and Rick Leonardi was the artist. And her her background is a little different. She lost her mother and her father, one from an accident, another one from alcoholism, and then she moves to Gotham with her aunt and uncle, who happens to, and her uncle is is James Gordon, who is the commissioner. So in this continuity, and, and that's gone back and forth. Sometimes James is her father, and then in some comics, he's just another relative, but all, but all the same, she takes it upon herself once she sees Batman and she's still inspired by him. She learns self-defense and she still is the brilliant person that we were introduced to in the late 60s. She goes to, I think, Gotham State University and she attains her PhD. And within the comics, she still remains Batgirl and she still fights along with Batman. And even at some point, she in a way, retires from being Batgirl. And that ties in, well, now people say that ties into what we're going to talk about next, but she was Batgirl from 87 to 88, so she was still really popular within that year. And then the same writer who wrote her new origin wrote her out as not being Batgirl anymore. And that was in the Batman, I mean, Batgirl special number one, and that was from July of 1988. And she retires, and she isn't, and she hangs up her her costume. Her cow. Yeah, she hangs up her cow, and a lot of people now think that this was written because of the one shot graphic novel by Alan Moore, Batman: The Killing Joke, and that came out in March of 1988. So, so it's all around the same time period. But the Batgirl special came out, and then the one shot came out. And at the time, the the Killing Joke, which was written by Alan Moore and the art was by Brian Boland, that was just a separate story. It wasn't part of the continuity. It was just a one-shot comic that didn't have any ties to what was going on in the regular time period of Batman, Robin, anybody. So this is a true graphic novel. Right. Out of continuity. And it completely effects what happens in the regular world yes. of Batman, and which is normally never the case. Right. Usually if there's a one-shot or there's just some a comic written, it doesn't have the effect that I think this has had. And, and still, today, I try to think of some one-shots that had the same effect for all of the characters surrounding it, and it's really hard to, to pinpoint one that had a, as big of a thing as this did. Oh, I can't wait to hear what happens. <laughs> and this story, 
for and and really it's if you're a fan of the Joker as I am, it is one of the best tellings of his origin and what's interesting is that the Joker's origin it's it's really unknown and it changes all the time and he's not a reliable source to anything about him because I think he epitomizes chaos so knowing where he came from or having a name or knowing anything about him would kind of take away from the character that he is but in this story we have the same origin of the Red Hood that we see from the 1950s and that's the main plot of the story retelling um his origin and the relationship that Batman and Joker have the kind of good versus evil and that's a really that's a really good story if you want to look at the dynamic between the two why one can't kill the other why one needs the other and that whole yin and yang dynamic but what people remember this graphic novel most for is because the Joker goes to Commissioner Gordon's house and he rings a doorbell and Barbara opens up the door and Joker is there with his men and he shoots her and that ends with her being paralyzed from the waist down. And in the comic, Joker d- doesn't know that the Commissioner Gordon's daughter is Batgirl or anything. He just, she was the person that opened the door and then he continues to torture her father by kidnapping him and stripping him down and showing him lewd and nude pictures of her injured and it's a very graphic story it's visually graphic and it has a lot of layers to it and I think what is most striking is just the violence that's that happens to her because you see a lot of times that superheroes get hurt or injured or are tortured or something but the fact that it was her it was Barbara Gordon it was Batgirl it's a huge character it's I mean it was just jarring to see that she was injured in this way and especially by the Joker and what that meant for Batman and what that meant for her father and everything and I think it's crazy how (laughs) not only that but I'm still can't get over the fact that this is a one shot that then had such an effect, as you said, not only on the readers, but it obviously had an effect on the publishing company on DC because they said, we're going to incorporate this. Right. It it was a very popular book and it sold so many copies and people responded both negatively and and in a way they loved the story or they hated it. And what is... I think even today when people discuss it, what the the main problem is, well, there's two, I suppose. You can look at it in a way that this huge female superhero that's so popular that did her own thing and she stands tall with Batman and Robin, two of the most well-known DC Comics heroes, is taken down by Joker in this way and she can't be Batgirl anymore. And you didn't have all of, and you didn't really have this type of character. So the fact that she can't be Batgirl anymore because of this incident. And like I said, the story is a Joker story. It's an origin story. It's a Batman-Joker dynamic story. It's not a 
Barbara Gordon is shot and paralyzed story. That's not the, so she was a plot device in a sense. She was used to kind of keep the story going. And for a lot of people, that was a, a huge issue. It then propelled her to greatness, which you're about to talk about. Right. Sure. So once it was decided that the one shot was going to be within the continuity, within the stories, I mean, it affected Batman. He went, and the same thing happened in the story later, Batman, Death in the Family, when Jason Todd is killed by the Joker. It He goes through this kind of depression within the comic books. And he goes through it with Commissioner Gordon, and you can see that in various issues. So it really affects the Batman family greatly because now they're, one of their family members is, is right. injured forever, it seems. How long and did it take Barbara Gordon then to stop feeling sorry for herself? And Because I assume she had some well, demons she had to battle. Right, and you learn about those... I think within the next decade, but it took only about a year's time in the real world and probably the same amount of time in comics because she is, it, well, we see her new persona, what's called Oracle, and that came out actually in the Suicide Squad. That came out in those publications. It wasn't even tied to Batman or Detective Comics or she was at, for a moment in time separated from the Batman family altogether because once the Joker shot her and she was paralyzed and she couldn't be Batgirl anymore, the writers, a lot of all the writers that were doing Batgirl, they didn't really know what to do. They didn't know, okay, well, we can't, she's not Batgirl anymore, so we don't really know how to incorporate her within Batman crime detective stories because she's not the the she doesn't have the costume and she can't fight anymore and so that's when John Ostringer he came and he said I don't want her Barbara Gordon because she is such a good character he's a strong character so he didn't want her to become obscure to kind of go out of the way and to not be in comics anymore so him and uh, Kim Yale they created a whole new persona where it was Barbara Gordon, in a way, tackling what has happened to her and how she can still fight for good, even though her whole life has changed. I think that's great. I mean, I guess as we continue to explore what Barbara ends up becoming, which is Oracle, and becomes a key cog in Batman's crime-fighting army, Right. I mean, because she's not only providing information to Batman. Right. But she's providing it to everyone. I mean, do you know whether, because I guess if the term, if the political correct term is handicapped or disabled. Right. There had to be a huge, you know, outpouring of support for a disabled hero. Yes. And that is the big reason why... Oracle stayed around for 25 years in comics. As Oracle. As Oracle, right. Which is interesting because I know you're going to talk about later how ultimately she's back to Batgirl. Right. Well, I wonder if that same community that had seen Oracle as a champion 
was outraged that they yes. got rid of her. Now she's okay, you know? Yes. Like, that, and I think that's why, and we've talked about it before, that's why the new 52 is a soft reboot because they kept the killing joke and then she was paralyzed for a period of time, but then she had surgery and this is a whole thing and she became bad girl again. But yes, there, when she, when Oracle first came, DC kept Oracle because there weren't any handicapped or disabled heroes really. And once more Oracle stories within Suicide Squad and then once she comes into the Batman family and becomes the intel for not only Batman but other DC heroes in the 90s and the 2000s and she becomes part of other teams, she was a popular character and she and that was a big deal for that community and so definitely it was seen as a positive even though the way it happened was tragic but the the fact that oracle is a disabled hero yet she's so important to the dc universe eventually that that's the reason why she stayed around for over 20 years and she's still a strong female hero it's just she's not She's still Batgirl, but just in a different persona. Right. And, and to kind of time jump to her not being Oracle anymore, now becoming Batgirl again in the new 52, right? Because that's where right. it happens. Yeah. What was DC's response to the disabled community? Did they have one? Well, I think that's why... I think that's why they incorporated the soft reboot. So it wasn't just they redid her her origin and none of her being disabled and any of that didn't happen. So they kept that in there. And I think they say she just magically healed. Well, in the well in the comics, she goes under like an experimental procedure in a clinic in South Africa, and her father didn't want her to do it because he didn't know what happened. But then it worked out, and she regained mobility and so she became Batgirl again and within this within the new 52 the time period between her being shot by Joker and her being disabled is a span of three years instead of before the new 52 it was for two decades so they they kept the elements I think that people still wanted to see they wanted to see that she was Oracle that she she was disabled for a period of time and they kept that. So they, I think they kind of put out a statement where they said they, they respect both of her characters. They respect Batgirl, they respect Oracle. And it isn't just to take, just to throw Oracle away after 25 years because they didn't think she was a popular character. It's just, I think just the change and the reboot and everything Mm -hmm. they wanted to bring back. I think the most popular Batgirl. Right. But it's Barbara Gordon because even though Cassandra Kane was Batgirl and Stephanie Brown and all that, and and as Oracle she mentors them. I think for everybody, if you say who's Batgirl, it's Barbara Gordon, and you see that in other media in the '90s, the Batman animated series and the new Batman Adventures. You have Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, and in the Batman and Robin movie, the live action in '97, you have Alicia Silverstone, and her background's a little different but she becomes Batgirl and it's Barbara Gordon and she's just and Batgirl 
is such a now popular character, when they had to bring her back for New 52, I know it's because, well, Barbara Gordon's the Batgirl, I think. Right. So, sorry to get all up in the new Batgirl <laughs> stories, but what about Oracle then? Let me take you back a little bit. Yeah. So, what, how'd she come to prominence? Well, first, and it was about a year after The Killing Joke was released, and like I said, it was The Killing Joke, and then Barbara Kessel's Batgirl special number one came out, and Batgirl's retired. She actually works for Amanda Waller, who is the head of Task Force, Force X, which is the Suicide Squad. So I know a lot of people, even if you haven't read the comics, you know the movie's coming out next year. So you could put it in that context, I suppose. And she becomes the computer hacker intel for the Suicide Squad. And that lasts from 89 to 1990. And what's interesting is that you know the character o Oracle. She was introduced in Suicide Squad number 23, but you don't know that it's Barbara Gordon. You don't learn that for a whole year. And she is in the comics throughout from 89 to 90. And then in, in Suicide Squad 38, you find out that Barbara Gordon is Oracle. That must have been a cool reveal. Yeah, because you you didn't know who was the the person behind the the computer having, and she's brilliant, and and you don't really know anything about her. But then you get the reveal that it's Barbara Gordon. So now for a lot of people, that was like, oh, it's it's Batgirl, but right. now she's someone else, and she and she's awesome. I think it's for that year that even though we didn't know it was Barbara Gordon, people who were reading Suicide Squad and saw this character, they're like, that's a really powerful character. And then you learn that it's Barbara Gordon, who right. is already a strong person within the DC universe. So the DC or Batman story seemed to have a good way of, you know, hinting at a character and who it might be. I mean, obviously right. they did it with Jason Todd. They did it with um, Hush. They've done it with so many mm -hmm. characters, and it's cool that they did it with Barbara Gordon. Yeah, and what's interesting is that in her first few years as Oracle, Barbara Gordon, she wasn't tied to the Batman family in terms of the superhero family. She wasn't, because once she wasn't Batgirl anymore, they kind of cut that tie, and it wasn't until 1992 in Sword of Azrael number one, that she comes back in the Batman family because Batman asks her to be his entail to within a, a, a crime he's investigating. And so with that, Dennis O'Neill and Joe Quesada, they bring her back into the Batman family, but not as Batgirl, as Oracle. And from there, within the 90s, she gets her own small arcs and series and you learn more about Oracle and she still works for Suicide Squad probably for the next few years and then you get an origin story in the Batman Chronicles number five from 1996 and it just it kind of goes more into like you were saying how she overcomes this tragedy that's happened to her because it goes to when Joker shot her and then she goes into this really great depression and she it's really hard to pull herself out of it and she doesn't know what she's going to do because she's been Batgirl all this time. But then she discovers that she can still fight crime in Gotham without the use of her legs. And so she trains herself in information sciences 
sciences and she is still an, a computer hacker and in this story she has like a photographic memory and she slowly builds to becoming the oracle that we know and this story gives what her why she picked the name oracle she is she has a dream and in the dream she's Batgirl but then she is in 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 Delphi in Greece and she is approached by the the god oracle which and so she's and the oracle tells her that just because this tragedy happened to you and everything that's led up to this point you're ready for and this is why you're the person you are and it's more of you were back girl and you're you can't be back girl anymore but that doesn't mean you have to stop doing the good that you've done and so that's why she calls herself oracle because of a kind of premonition a dream that she's had and once that character once that origin came out um there was a a one shot that was called Black Canary Oracle Birds of Prey and that was by Chuck Dixon and that came out in 96 and it was Oracle Barbara Gordon paired with Black Canary Dinah Lance and they solve a crime together and that book was so popular people liked them being paired together that a whole publication came out called Birds of Prey that the first 50, 60 issues was by Chuck Dixon and Jordan B. Gorfinkel. And then as I think more popular now, the leading issues from like number 58 to 108, Gail Simone comes on as the writer at, for Birds of Prey. They also had Ed Dennis, I think. I don't know. Oh, yes. As the, as the as artist. As the artist, yes. And I will tell you, his art, it was so amazing. Yes. And it actually brought me back to DC. I had not read DC Comics for years. Oh. And when he started drawing, that's when I, I mean, I pick up all my Marvels yeah. and whatnot. And then I, I started reading, you know, these Birds of Prey books. And I was like, wow, Gail Simone's killing it. Right. His art is killing it. This is amazing. It got me all into the whole DC world again. Right. And it's a and, and it was birds of prey. And it's birds of prey, which that's the thing. It's it and they had they rotated characters and things like that, but the main characters Barbara so Barbara Gordon as Oracle, she's now on her own team where she's, she's kind of the leader, head. Right. She's the leader. And even in other volumes of Birds of Prey, she's still the leader even within the two thousands. And yeah, it's her and it's Black Canary and Huntress. they have, and Huntress comes in and and Babs and, and Black Canary, they have a really strong bond and relationship. And even though kind of Huntress is a loner of sorts, they all kind of become this really strong fighting team and it's all comprised of women, which is great. And and it still shows that Barbara Gordon as Oracle is still very popular, and and I think that one that's one of the reasons why they still kept her as Oracle because even in like two thousand three, they did another origin story. It's a I think it's a Chuck Dixon and Scott Vietti origin story, Batgirl Year One, which there was Batgirl Year One and and Robin Year One. And they they still talked about how she became Batgirl, but they didn't take they didn't replace that and make her Batgirl again. 
they kept Cassandra Kane as Batgirl for a period of time, and Oracle was still a strong character, and she did Birds of Prey. And what's great is that even for a period of time, when she wasn't working with Batman or the Batman family, she if she wasn't in Gotham, they were in Metropolis, and she helped other DC heroes with her her computer hacking and her and her intel and all of that. And so she was not only just part of that team, she was part of, she was important to the whole DC universe in a sense. And I think that's one of the reasons why she stayed around for so long. And, and like we said, there weren't any other disabled heroes within that, within the DC universe. So the fact that that is the case and she's still so popular she stayed around until the new 52 came. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a nice thing to have, whether you're Batman or Black Canary or any hero, and you're out in the middle of the field, you need some kind of information to solve the crime or to get the next right. clue or to which road are they coming down so I can go the other way type yeah. thing, or how can I cut them off at the pass? Oh, just... Patch into Oracle. Right, exactly. And and what's great is that, I mean, they tried, but there was the really short-lived Birds of Prey live-action TV series. Oh, yeah. It only lasted for 13 episodes, but Barbara Gordon was Oracle. And the first episode, they gave the origin of Joker shooting and paralyzing her. So they still kept the Killing Joke background and everything. And... I'm and I'm not really sure if this if this same storyline was here today. I don't know if it would do well or I'm not really sure why. Which one? Birds of Prey. Oh. If they for some reason decided well, let's try that today on TV or I don't think they would do that in a movie, but I think they I think if they tried on TV it might have done better, but I'm not sure. But the first episode had tons of ratings and then it just kind of sank. And so they didn't renew it for a second season. But the fact that the birds, birds of prey was so popular that I got a TV show that just shows that all of those characters were so strong and that they were that popular. And I mean, not every publication gets a TV show or a movie or anything. So just, I think that just by itself shows how readers responded to it. And I think you still see Oracle even outside of comics within the the Batman video game series, the Arkham City and the Arkham Knight. She is Batman's intel and it's Oracle. And she has the relationship with Commissioner Gordon being her father and everything, but she's a really important part of the Batman family there too. Even with the New 52 and she's Batgirl, they still kept her as Oracle. Well, the game. When she was Oracle at the peak of her Oracle powers, did her father know she was Oracle? Yes, there's a... I know there's an issue where he finds out that she's Oracle. And I think that... And it changes. Like, there's some where in different issues when she was Batgirl that he found out she was Batgirl or there's an issue where he finds he know he's known all along and she discovers that he knows and he and he's always been supportive and I think that's kind of important that no matter in whatever comic it is and he finds out or she finds out it's always very supportive of what she's doing whether she's Batgirl or she's Oracle and and there's always this kind of like 
caution about it, though, especially when she's Oracle, because something really tragic happened to her. And even Batman and Robin and and even when Robin becomes Nightwing and then it's Red Robin and all of the Batman family, they're very cautious of her being out in the field or her being Oracle. And that you kind of see that in the new 52 Batgirl where she's Batgirl again, but they're all really worried <laughs> about her being injured again. Right. And that offends her. Did Commissioner Gordon ever tell her when he found out she was Oracle to help the police department with information? Because I mean, she is providing top-notch intelligence right, there's- to Superman, Batman, all of them. I mean, I don't know about Superman. Well, but, yeah. Okay, so she did. So, I mean, you know, I would think that her father would say, look, what are you doing? I mean, I love that you're helping Batman. I I help him too. But you got to help us, help our police department, help me find the crooked cops, help yeah. me do something. And there's, and I know it's Bat, in Batgirl, you're one, and in other stories, they say that she first was interested in doing law enforcement, that she started or wanted to become Batgirl to help the police. So I think that as a father, I think Commissioner Gordon in a way didn't want her to help that with him, but he was okay with her being with Batman because I think he trusts Batman. And so if there's ever a story where something happens to her, of course he always blames him because like you're supposed to be protecting her. And there's always this kind of they they kind of worry about her ever since the killing joke. In a lot of stories, you kind of see the Batman family and Gordon and everyone kind of cautious in a way. But then she's like, I can take care of myself. I'm okay, whether she's Oracle or she's Batgirl. So it's she's been Batgirl and she's been Oracle. And just as a whole, she's just such a very strong character. And there, there are a lot of different... Now, there's a lot of different female superheroes, but... Over the last almost 50 years, Batgirl has, or Barbara Gordon, she has represented the strong female character that I think a lot of comic books need. I think for a lot of readers, that's important to have not just diversity, but just to have more than just the same kind of archetype of a superhero. You have, it's all more progressive and Batgirl is now, it's Batgirl. I think even if you don't read comics or you're not really into it, when you hear Batgirl, you you know Batgirl is. And a lot of times it's linked to Barbara Gordon. Because unless you're reading the comics, you don't know Cassandra Cain and you don't know Stephanie Brown. And those characters who are both strong female heroes as well. But for Batgirl, who's iconic, I think the Batgirl will probably always be Barbara Gordon. And in fact... They brought her back. Right. And that comic right now is one of my favorites. And it's under, because when New 52 started and it was Batgirl, Gail Simone wrote for the first 34 issues. And then the new creative team of Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher and Babs Tarr, who does the art, it's so fun. (laughs) I think it's what I always kind of wanted to see Batgirl like because even though and she's always young in the comics and and yet a lot of times her stories are kind of dark and she's kind of aligned with Batman who's really dark and 
these a lot of the stories they aren't kind of showing who she is just in her regular civilian time when she's a young girl that goes to school and she has friends and she has real life problems and everything that I think kind of young women or even women that are my age I I really like this type of Batgirl and I think and I still I think will always go back to when they were doing variant covers this year for the Joker 75th anniversary and Joker was on 25 different covers in the publications and Raphael Albuquerque, he did a variant cover and it paid homage to the killing joke and, and people responded negatively to it because it, it seemed too dark for the type of Batgirl that's represented in comics now. And there was such a negative response to the artists and to DC that they pulled the cover and they did another one. And I think that, and that's always, that's still kind of like a hot topic issue. People think that they shouldn't have pulled it because it's celebrating Joker. And that story now that was initially just a one shot, just a regular story is now one of Joker's most known stories. It's so important to the continuity of Batgirl into the whole Batman family and and as a whole just to the to the DC universe it's it's just interesting to see how it's been seen as something so horrible that you can't even reference it back because this Batgirl is so bright and lighthearted and and fun and Gail Simone even though her Batgirl stories are amazing I love her writing and I loved in Birds of Prey it was very it was kind of dark and especially when you have stories like tie-ins for Death of the Family and all of that and they still kept the Killing Joke reference there too it's I think Batgirl, no matter if she has darker stories or if they kind of keep the same momentum, that I think they're going to keep Batgirl. I don't know if they'll ever go back to Oracle or if they'll bring in someone else to be Oracle or anything like that. I don't know if they'll try to resurrect that character in a different way. But it would be interesting, I think, to see an Oracle now within the new 52 if they ever wanted to expand upon that or if that's just for barbara gordon she's the only oracle that dc would want i'm not really sure that's for the creative teams to decide but both characters are equally important to really understanding why barbara gordon i think is one of the most popular characters yeah yeah (laughs) i mean she's done it for women she brought the you know women's rights, women's power, women's equality by starting as pretty much the first hero on screen. Right. Yes. She (laughs) has been a champion for the disabled community. Yes. You know, I I agree. I think that she is really a powerful piece to the Batman history and she's a powerful piece to women in comics and women enjoying comics and women, women feeling a part of comics. So She's definitely a character to be celebrated. Right. And and as you said, she kind of initiated everything with the 66 show and debuting in Detective Comics in, in the late 60s. She was the first really to do that. And so whether she's Batgirl or she's Oracle or whatever they 
make her next, she'll always be that. She'll always, I think she'll always be the bad girl and she'll be just a really important person in understanding just the Batman family. Well, there you have it. If there's any other questions that anyone else has regards to Barbara Gordon, how can they get in touch with you? You can always email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. Whether you want to add more about Batgirl and Oracle and her role in DC, or if you have any just comments, or just if you have an idea for an episode, anything, like I said, I read every message. You can reach me on Instagram at instagram.com slash historyofthebatman, on Twitter at twitter.com slash histofthebatman, on Tumblr at historyofthebatman.tumblr.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash historyofthebatman. I read every post and tweet and email. So reach out to me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. That sounds great. Now, London, a couple weeks ago, we had a contest for Loot Crate where yes. they were nice <laughs> enough to offer a three-month free subscription to one of our lucky listeners. And you had a listener actually responded with a correct answer multiple correct answers but this was the first yes and i first want to say thank you to everyone who emailed an answer and participated because you guys are listeners and you're awesome so i thank you guys and yes there was the person who sent the the first correct answer and that's gomez gilberto and i have emailed him and he is the winner of three months subscription to Loot Crate. So that's awesome. So congratulations and thank you for listening and thank you for emailing the answer and you're awesome. So thank you so much. (laughs) And if you want to check out Loot Crate on your own, go to LootCrate.com, enter Meltdown in the promotional code box, get $3 off your Loot Crate. Also like to shout out ComicsFix.com. If you like to binge read comics and you're having trouble tracking down all the back issues, The answer is Comics Fix. It's a monthly digital subscription service where you pay a monthly fee and read as much as your heart desires. Go to ComicsFix.com and check it out. The first first month is free. Also, be sure to check out Meltdown's other fine programming. We've got the Disney Click. Hey, you want to talk Disney? They're talking it. And that includes now Marvel, Star Wars, the parks, everything. Pixar, doesn't matter. They'll talk about it. We got Meltcast 3.0. That's where Meltdown employees talk new comics, get into other shenanigans. And they've got new things happening over there, which is very exciting. And I think, London, you might actually be a guest over there pretty soon. I know. There you go. (laughs) And we've got Digital Lizards of Doom on YouTube. That Meltdown's very own YouTube show where Gabe and Dan explore all aspects of pop culture. Also, London, you will be at a convention. For your first panel. <laughs> I know. It's so exciting. I'm going to be at this year's Kamikaze Expo. And the panel should be really interesting. It's going to be kind of a debate of what is the best, which is the best Batman. So me and seven other Batman enthusiasts are going to have one particular Batman. It's going to be not just comics, but from all different mediums, from TV to film to video games and all that. And we're going to 
discuss and say why our Batman is the definitive Batman. There and you so go. it'll be really fun and I'm excited to just talk about Batman some more. So I'll have more information as it comes, but if you are going to Kamikaze, that would be really cool if you come to the panel yeah. and to cheer me on. <laughs> there you go. And it's not just Kamikaze. It's Stan Lee's Kamikaze. Yes. Downtown Major. Los Angeles, the convention center runs from October 30th to November 1st. Halloween. 2015. <laughs> They've got some really great things going this year. I know they're going to have the cosplay national championships this year awesome so it should be absolutely bonkers (laughs) so thank you very much for listening to the history of the batman with london presented by meltdown comics this is adam silverstein again we've been produced and engineered by mason booker shadow adam was here for a brief moment (laughs) london thank you very much thank you all right we'll (laughs) see you next week and as always Peace, love, and Batman.